the ancient Greek philosopher Salon said, count no man happy until he is dead. Welcome to our podcast. Um, Count no man happy until he is dead. And then also, of course, St. Augustine of Hippo had said, true happiness is unattainable in our present life. So how crazy is that? Because for most of the people listening to this podcast, not only do we feel we have the right to pursue happiness, most of us believe it's attainable. And also that it should be attainable or even that we have a right to happiness. You may be one choice away from a thriving marriage. Welcome to the Operation Thriving Marriage Podcast with Brian and Jennifer Hartman. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Oh boy. <laughs> no? We can clap our hands. <laughs> whoop, whoop, whoop. So we want to talk about happiness today on the Operation Thriving Marriage Podcast. Thank you guys for joining us. And we never know what's going to stay or what's going to be cut, but our producer knows best. So thank you, Todd. Yeah, Todd may totally say, yeah, Brian, that that thing you just did there. Don't ever do it again. Don't do that again. (laughs) Jen, Mm -hmm. are you happy? Oh, this is a trick question. The lawyer, the lawyer has uh, <laughs> really caught on to what you're doing there, Brian. But yeah, I think I think today I'm, I'm I'm feeling pretty good today. Always happy to to be back in the studio. So, what are some things that make you happy, though? Oh goodness, just just I I, I would define that kind of kind of being happy. Just what are some things that we we like to just kind of enjoy in life? Everybody uh, who knows me knows that I love my coffee, um, my cappuccinos, and uh, I know I, not to talk to you before you've had your coffee. Yeah, it, immediately I I get up, I have a little bit of breakfast, I have my coffee, I have my my t- my Bible time and you know, my time with Jesus, and you know I if if I don't have coffee, I I'm I'm probably doing something wrong to him. My friend Lisa always says, Jen. Jesus can take you without having coffee, but I think that's kind of rude. <laughs> just want to want to take care of that, right? That's just kind of how I roll. So I, I I like I like my coffee. Um, I do like to travel. I I do like a lot of just ki- kind of little things here and there, just kind kind of during the day, so it doesn't have to be like this big elaborate to do. I, I love spending time with uh, friends and uh, you and the kids. And uh, I, I, I love marriage ministry. That's something that makes me happy. I like to to see uh, God uh, growing and doing some positive things in marriages. We want to talk about happiness because, well, frankly, one of the first signs of marital stress for most people is unhappiness. Mm. They just don't feel happy. And Jen read this article, um, Happiness in America Isn't What It Used to Be. I think it was in um, Time. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll put a link to the article in the show notes. There were some really interesting thoughts about happiness. And I think it's important to think this through because for us in America, happiness and this idea of happiness is built into the fabric of who we are and how we identify ourselves as people. And in as America, it's like America. Happiness is that very American value. And I remember uh, within the last several years, there was an ad for um, a uh, car, and they were saying life, liberty, the pursuit. But we knew exactly what to fill in there. It was happiness. And oh my goodness, buy this car, it's going to make you happy. Right. And uh, we believe in America that pursuing happiness is a foundational right. And we claimed that in the Declaration of Independence was like, hey, no, this is, we have 
the right to pursue happiness. And of course, happiness isn't unique to Americans. It's not like Americans are the only ones that want to be happy. Um, Everyone wants to be happy. What is unique, though, is until the 18th century, happiness was in large part considered unattainable. People just didn't think it was possible to achieve happiness, or certainly not any length of happiness. The ancient Greek philosopher Salon said, count no man happy until he is dead. Welcome to our podcast. Um, Count no man happy until he is dead. And then also, of course, St. Augustine of Hippo had said, true happiness is unattainable in our present life. So how crazy is that? Because for most of the people listening to this podcast, not only do we feel we have the right to pursue happiness, that no no one should take away our ability, most of us believe it's attainable. And also that it should be attainable or even that we have a right to happiness. Absolutely. There are even some of the United States um, on the East Coast, some of the one of those original 13 states have written in their constitution, their state constitution, not only the right to pursue happiness, but the right to attain happiness. Now, we won't get into all the politics and stuff of what, what's realistic of that or not, and who, it, but that idea of attaining and pursuing happiness is so important to so many people. And most people get married, frankly, pursuing happiness. Oh, isn't that the truth? And that's kind of dangerous. Yeah. They think that their marriage is going to bring happiness to them. When you look at the polls and research, Americans tend to believe that the purpose of marriage in one sense or another is happiness. And that could be in in mechanisms through companionship or stability or financial security. I will never be lonely ever again. And, but ultimately, all of these things, very self-focused and boils down to personal happiness. Absolutely. Now, we want to be clear. We believe there is great happiness in thriving marriage. We are very happy Truth. to be married to each other and mm-hmm. very much enjoy our relationship and living together. We find great happiness in our marriage. And I do think my happiness would be decreased if we weren't married. Well, thanks, babe. Likewise. Uh, but happiness is not the purpose of marriage. And if you've listened to this podcast before, you've probably heard us say that the purpose of marriage is not happiness. It's holiness. And not only is happiness not the purpose of marriage, if you're making your spouse responsible for your happiness, that just dooms your your marriage to misery and failure and disaster from the very beginning. Sorry, sweetheart. What? Sorry, sweetheart. Oh, come on now. Oh, dear. No, 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 no. But I, I think that the reason for that is that happiness is just contextual because Things that make you happy now won't necessarily make you later. I think the the stability of happiness in my life is always going to be a cup of coffee, but who knows, that could come to an end one day. Well, that's just the baseline. I mean, before other happiness can be attained, you have the, to the have crashing that. crashing down, <laughs> I, have, I have to be caffeinated well enough to be awake enough to enjoy. But anyway. Also, your spouse can't be expected to know your moods moment by moment. Well, isn't that the truth? Because how could you? Now, that being said, the longer we're married, the more we can read each other's moods. Sure. The more we can be there for. And that's one of the great things about marriage is that over time, we learn each other, but 
there are things that are just different. This morning, you came upstairs and I was making Jonathan's breakfast or his lunch and you looked over at me and was like, are you okay? Mm -hmm. Because we've got craziness going on. We've only got one car right now because the car's in the shop and we had to, everyone but had to- But the car's ready, so it's yay. Fixed. Well, all of us had to be up at the same time and we all had to go to get everyone out. And it was just, so I was up early. I didn't get to go to the gym this morning like I would normally do. Allergies this time of year are nuts. My sinuses. And so I looked like I was unhappy, but you couldn't tell for sure. Hey, am I unhappy? It's like, no, I'm just tired and stuffy. <laughs> I'm not right. unhappy. And it, it, it wasn't like, okay, I expect you to be, you know, brimming with happiness at, you know, 630 in the morning, but it's like, hey, is something troubling you or is everything, everything okay? Yeah. So we can read moods, but we can't be expected to know moods moment by moment. And another thing, happiness is fleeting. Mm -hmm. Happiness doesn't last. That thing that makes you happy today, except maybe coffee for Jen, but really that thing that makes you happy that you were elated by over time it loses its focus. If you ride the same roller coaster over and over again, you may still enjoy it, but the thrill of the unexpected and the turn and, oh my gosh, what's going on? If you're a thrill ride person, which I'm not, but our son is, so now I do ride thrill rides, that is going to be fleeting. It's not permanent. Happiness is not permanent and has never been intended to be permanent. Happiness can, however, be a reward for growth. It's never the cause of growth, but often we grow and change when the discomfort of staying the same is greater than the discomfort of changing. So that discomfort, that sense of unhappiness is good, but then once we change and grow and we experience happiness, it can be and often is a positive reward for doing and moving forward and growing in a positive way. And I think another big problem with expecting our spouses to make us happy is that our desires are disordered and we need transformation in Christ to reorder our sinful desires. Because a lot of times if we're going to be looking to seek happiness, it can be rooted in a lot of selfishness that comes out of things. If you're kind of chasing the next thing to, to give you the, the next happiness buzz, um, and then that when that one wears off, you're, you're chasing another thing to, to make you happy and give you the next happiness buzz. And it's just a very selfish and, and self-serving, self-seeking method of finding and experiencing and continuing to experience that happiness buzz. And when we look to Jesus, even that, that's not real happiness. Mm -hmm. Sin and selfishness in our lives have twisted what makes us happy, what we believe happiness is, and we've lost the true purpose and meaning for us. So some of the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, happy are those who know they are spiritually poor. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Happier are those who mourn. God will, be, God will comfort them. This is from the Good News Translation. And so you're normally used to hearing blessed, but that Greek word for blessed, it means happy. It's not, oh, you've received something good. It's you are, you have happiness. So happier are those who are humble. They will receive what God has promised. We so much focus on, I want this temporary, transient, positive experience that we've lost what's truly good and we've then misdefined what true happiness really is. 
And that's always a, a problem uh, there because you had talked about just the idea of happy are those who are blessed. But in, in looking at that, it, it's just this juxtaposition and it's that upside down kingdom that Christ talks about. Happy are those who mourn. Wait, what? But how can somebody who's mourning be happy? Well, it's because God is comforting them. God's providing for what their needs are and what they have there. Happy are those who are merciful to others. God will be merciful to them. Happy are the pure in heart. They will see God. Happy are those who work for peace. God will call them his children. Happy are those who are persecuted because they do what God requires. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Happy are you when people insult and persecute you and tell all kinds of evil lies against you because you are my followers. Be happy and glad for a great reward is kept for you in heaven. This is how the prophets who lived before you were persecuted. And that's out of Matthew 5. The happiness is something completely different from what is expected by most couples that we talk to in premarital counseling. Mm-hmm. That's and very true. Most couples that when I've officiated their weddings, their idea of happiness, just to be blunt, is more of a return on investment, not I look forward to serving you for the rest of my life. Isn't that awful though? I mean, let's be honest. Even when we got married, we've had to uh-huh. learn that for ourselves, right? Called out, absolutely. You know, I mean, for both Called of- <laughs> out on our own podcast, babe, but yes. Yeah, you know, I certainly didn't understand what true happiness was in marriage when we said our vows. Well, and hopefully we've both grown in that, you know, over the last almost 20 years here, right? Yeah. So it's funny. Remember that meme we saw a few weeks ago? I think this really helps put happiness in perspective. Happiness is an inside job. Don't assign anyone else that much power over your life. And that includes your spouse. For sure. Uh-huh. It ha- It has to. And if you want to experience that kind of happiness in in your marriage, you have to remember happiness is fleeting. It's something that you will experience more of when you prioritize it less. Don't be so selfish. It reminds me, honestly, of um, C.S. Lewis in Narnia. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the characters, I think it's the professor, um, says, you can't find Narnia by looking for it. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you can only get in when you're not looking for it. Now, the Narnia people out there will say, well, what about Jill and Eustace at this horrible school? They were wanting to get into Narnia. But for the most part, you know, the idea is you can't find Narnia. There's lots of things that you can't get when you're looking for them. And happiness is one of those that it's a secondary experience. When you're looking for happiness, that's when it's hardest to find. Mm-hmm. That that's very true, and it, it is important. Like as that meme had said, the wisdom of the means to take responsibility for your own happiness and not on your spouse. Meaning, the assignment for your happiness is not placed squarely on your spouse. That's just such an unfair burden to saddle anyone with, particularly a spouse. Absolutely. Your spouse, when you guys are serving each other, when you're focused on each other, you will find great happiness in your relationship. But if you tell your spouse, you are responsible for my happiness, you're going to lose every time. And it's important, too, to focus on Christ's example and not the example that our culture provides for happiness. Because, guys, we are in such a uh, 
materialistic and status seeking and um, money seeking and success seeking society. And we can really be like those uh, frogs in that pot of boiling water because we are growing up in this and we are living with this and inundated with this all over the place. And just because it's a Western value doesn't mean it's a biblical value. And it's just important to separate out these things. So as you're looking to change and refocus happiness and refocus your marriage to not be the source of happiness, we encourage you over the next four weekends, read through the four Gospels. Take one weekend and just read, choose Matthew, and then the next weekend, choose Mark. If you take, it's going to be a couple hours maybe, uh, take the afternoon, take some time, and every weekend, read through one Gospel and allow Jesus' life and example to wash over you. Take some time to see Jesus and who he is and allow yourself to be transformed and filled by the Holy Spirit and by Jesus' example, and you will see where you can find happiness and joy coming out of being the person and the couple that Christ has called you to be. And if you want to go back into the uh, the Old Testament, the Hebrew script- scriptures, read the Psalms. And if you read five Psalms a day, you can finish the book in a month. Maybe if you're you're reading them in a, a month that has thirty one days, take Psalm one nineteen for that one day because that's a longer one. That is a longer one. Yes, <laughs> but absolutely, read through those Psalms and again think through what this is going to help overcome the disordered loves the disordered desires that sin has given us. And when you look at Jesus, we look at Psalms, it's going to help reorder your desires to be those godly desires that then you will experience greater happiness, not just in your marriage, but in your life. So instead of uh, prioritizing serving yourself and chasing down that happiness that you can't even really catch, kind of like, you know, the the red laser dot that the cat can't ever, you know, fully get, get a hold of there, you, you should just prioritize serving your spouse. And if each of you are focusing on meeting each other's needs, that's going to lead to those feelings of joy and contentment as you see each other fulfilled and satisfied. So uh, I would say homework assignment, what can you do? to serve your spouse today? What can you do to serve your spouse this week? And what you find too in a marriage is as you experience this, you find you're happier seeing your spouse fulfilled even than being fulfilled by your spouse. Mm -hmm. As your desires are reordered into the ideas of Christ and service, one of the greatest things in the world is seeing, hey, my spouse is satisfied an amazing experience for me. And I, we've talked about this before. Something very simple was you were baking cookies. This was years ago now, I think. You're baking cookies and the timer went off. And so I wanted to serve you. You were downstairs watching television. Our, our oven is on, is on the same floor as our family room. And so I went and I took the cookies out of the oven. And then as I was walking by the door, you said, hey, are the cookies done or is the timer going off? And I I told you I'd already pulled the cookies out of the oven. And your response was my hero. Woohoo, true. Man, I was so happy. I'm my wife's hero. Yeah, Those cookies got nothing on me. <laughs> those cookies were saved from being burned, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Get me my big ass on my chest and my cape. Woo-hoo. There we go. But that experience of you being fulfilled and satisfied. This little, small example of love of me just 
taking care of something that was important to you brought great joy and happiness to me, much more so, I think, honestly, than if I was baking cookies and you pulled them out of the oven for me. And that's interesting. Because I had done something for you and that was meaningful to you. And in, in, in this applies to serving as well, but as Christ Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Absolutely. Absolutely. And happiness is something that we all desire. And in particular, we all want to experience happiness in our marriage. And, and guys, certainly nothing inherently wrong with that at all. But while the purpose of marriage is not happiness, but instead it's holiness, we can still experience great joy, pleasure, satisfaction, contentment in our marriages. We, however, will only experience that happiness when we take responsibility for our own happiness and ground our happiness into Christ. And when we do that, it will give us the focus and energy to serve our spouses in ways that will bring us great joy in our marriage and glory to God. Thank you so much for listening to the Operation Thriving Marriage podcast. Take a moment to rate and to subscribe. Jen and I started Operation Thriving Marriage to help couples and churches take marriages from merely surviving to thriving. We've got our book, we've got a blog and resources for our coaching ministry, and you can bring us out for an Operation Thriving Marriage experience. For more information, go to OperationThrivingMarriage.com. That's OperationThrivingMarriage.com.